In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We are brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Daryl, let's uh, hop right into it. The big news of the day is the fact that the Browns will play the Steelers at 1 o'clock on Sunday, the NFL. I don't have a problem with the NFL waiting till the last minute to try to figure out who's going to play who on the last week of the season. So I'm okay with it. And by the way, Brown Steelers probably belong at 1 o'clock on Sunday, the final weekend, because Pittsburgh hanging by a thread to make the playoffs, which is okay, kind of cool. And it gives the Browns the opportunity to spoil their postseason fun. I got exactly what I asked for. You did because it's all it's all about me. I I, re, I I submitted my request to the league office for a Sunday at one kickoff at whatever the hell they're calling that stadium these days, and uh, I got it. So Brown Steelers Sunday at one. The Saturday doubleheader is um, interesting. I, I think uh, the fact that they uh, and I think it has to do a little bit with the fact that they're both under five hundred. But the AFC South championship game between Tennessee and Jacksonville gets uh, the 815 slot Kansas City at the Raiders uh gets the uh the the 430 slot and then uh yeah I mean pretty much everything else for for week 18 now is set with the exception of Ravens Bengals um and that basically if the bills as we record this Monday night which is before uh the bills and Bengals play if the bills win the game Monday night, Ravens Bengals will play at 425 on CBS. If Cincinnati wins the game Monday night, uh, that means that the game will be a 1 p.m. kickoff next week on CBS because uh, if uh, if uh, Cincinnati loses, uh, loses um, that basically creates an AFC North championship game. Yeah, so you got the winner's bowl and the loser's bowl, right, for third place. <laughs> yeah, that's like I think that's what we call this, right? This is this is the third place bowl between the Browns and the Steelers. The winner gets third place in the division this year. Um and uh, you might say, "Well, wait a minute, how do the how do the Browns get third place?" Well, they're a full game behind in the standings, but if they sweep the season series, uh which this is often how the Browns escape the basement in the expansion era is with the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> and they would have the tiebreaker on the Steelers, which means Pittsburgh would finish last in the division uh, and not only miss out on the playoffs, but they would be in the cellar. And then, of course, uh, the Browns uh, get third place by virtue of the tiebreaker. So um, it's uh, it's a big one this weekend. No, no question about it. This is not one for Kevin Stefanski to do any type of experimentation whatsoever. Uh, this is a you are going to win this game. This this is a the uh, the Super Bowl of the season. Uh, this is you must go to Pittsburgh and knock the Steelers out of the playoffs and absolutely crap all over their season. And if you don't, well, it's going to be a very long off season for you. So I was just reading up if the Bengals win on what I don't even know on Monday night when we're recording this. The Steelers' chances go from 18% to 19%, so they've got that going for them. But the road to the playoffs isn't that easy because <clears throat> then they'll need the Bills to beat the Jets because right. of their losses to the Patriots and Dolphins, and the Steelers need the Bills to beat New England. Wait, wait, 
Bills to beat. Uh, they need help from the Bills and Jets, I should say. The Bills to beat New England and then New York to beat Miami. Um, but they've got to beat the Browns first. So that's that's Pittsburgh's road. But at least they have a road, Daryl. You know, that's, I, I mean, as that's much nice. as I, I thought, hmm? yeah, I mean, the season started for us where we thought Pittsburgh wasn't even going to be any kind of player in this. And now all of a sudden, you know, they come into this game, they win, they get help from two other teams, and they're in the playoffs, which to me is just, I can't believe that we're in this spot knowing what Pittsburgh had quarterback-wise going into the year. And then, you know, they did have a pretty good win on Sunday. And, you know, they were able to rally back late and get a big touchdown. And that's why they're still alive. I, it just it keeps going back to what I, I, I say all the time. So many teams in the NFL find ways and the Browns find excuses. And the the Steelers are another example. Look at the 49ers with Purdy. I, it's just it, it goes on and on and on. The examples of teams that just find ways, even when things aren't hunky dory and perfectly uh, easy on them. And you know the the Browns just they just have excuse after excuse after excuse why they're not successful um, uh, on the scale that they're expected to be successful. I mean th- this team should have made the playoffs this year. And um, I will remain hard on them. I I had someone try and tell me that I was being unfair. And my response was, there's enough talent on this roster uh, to make the playoffs. And when you look at some of those games early in the season, the the four losses by three or fewer points, uh, four of the first five losses on the season were by three, three or fewer points. Like, yeah, you, you're good enough. This is not a situation where this is a rebuild. And the the thing that's that emphasizes my point, and I, I got I'm gonna pull up my Twitter here real quick because I want I want to give this person credit that tweeted this at me, and I'm gonna clean it up because he used some colorful language. Uh, oh, in the his internet, who cares? Just say whatever you want. I know, say but whatever I, the you want to. I know oh, we tried to get a podcast here. Uh, Steelers. This is from. Here we go, Brown E with an I, too. Steelers started the year rebuilding and end up in the playoff chase. Browns start off the year in the playoff chase and end up rebuilding. It's like a blank 30-year nightmare I can't wake up from. I know, 2020, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Here we go, Brown E with an I, too, is 100% correct. And the the standards and and the other reason, Andy, that I am so hard on this Browns team this year, it's time to raise the standards here in Cleveland. Okay, um, in Pittsburgh, even though, even though it's a retool, rebuild, what transition it's a gravy from, year for Steeler fans, right? It's a right. gravy year. Right? Hang on a second. They still want to run Mike Tomlin out of town because it ain't good enough. Even though they're still in, in in competition for a playoff spot in Week 18, the fact that they've now secured one, and 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 whatnot, this this is like, uh, you, you know, run Mike Tomlin out of town territory, hmm. and I would, I think a lot of Browns fans would sign up for the level of success that Mike Tomlin has had over the 15 years with that Seriously? organization. Absolutely, of, we would. You know, a couple of Super Bowls. Never a losing season. Um, now the argument is that he didn't win enough Super Bowls considering the rosters he's had. But look, I mean, 
Winning the Super Bowl is hard to do. And it, it's just, it is interesting watching that Sunday night game between the Steelers and the Ravens, Andy. And they're talking about John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin and the fact, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, it's it's uh, Tomlin that's been 16 years, Harbaugh's 15 years, if I remember that correctly. I might have yeah. them back. No, I think you're right. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right because Tomlin was there before Harbaugh. But just to think of that stability and you look at the success of those two organizations, and I think that's really the only argument that, you know, the patience argument for the Browns with Stefanski and bringing him back for a fourth year and trying to see if they can get this thing right and not knee-jerk reacting to uh, having a, a couple of back-to-back disappointing years. But, um, you know, and we talked about this on our last podcast, if Stefanski wins Sunday, he's still not had a double-digit loss season. In, uh, you yeah, know, but that's a horrible way to look at things, isn't it? It, it really is, but but hang on. This but this is this is what the standards in Cleveland have been. Every head coach in the expansion era, Andy, starting with Chris Palmer all the way through um, uh, Freddie Kitchens, has lost double digit games in a season, and some of those guys have done it multiple times. Okay, so it he is the most successful coach regardless of, you know what I mean? Like he's the most successful coach that the Browns have had in the expansion era. He's produced the most results. Sad to say it. He's only a couple <clears> games <throat> above 500 and, but he got a win in the playoffs, you know, that's but he's important. got a playoff win under his belt. Right. So nobody else uh, has done that since they've come back. So I, so Are, I get, I get the organization's patience with him, but I, I just, I'm hard on this team because I think, it, I think that it's fair to have higher expectations than the best they can do is eight and nine, two years in a row coming off a season in which they were a player or two away from the conference championship. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We're back with more. If you like what you're listening to subscribe to the podcast, we're going to talk about, um, we'll talk about some transition stuff that's going on. We'll get into that next right here. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Um, Daryl, um, again, the biggest news of the day is the Browns game is officially set for 1 o'clock against Pittsburgh in uh, Pittsburgh. So they'll play that game and kick it off at 1. Pittsburgh has a chance to make the playoffs. Um, uh, Interesting news coming out. My days are so messed up right now. Like, I don't know what's holiday, what's vacation, what's Saturday, what's Sunday. I don't even know where we are right now, but I do know we're Today in the new year. We record this. It is Monday evening. I, I, I'm still with the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah, with the Rose Bowl on January 2nd, too, is another one that's confusing to me. So I'm still just trying to get all my bearings straight. But um, uh, word about Mike Harbaugh, Mike Harbaugh maybe leaving Michigan to go back to the Jim NFL. Harbaugh, you mean. I'm sorry, Jim. I got my hard muscles. I, I knew I was going to do that at some point. You, you really are. See, mine is, is I mix them up. I say, John is at Michigan. Jim is in Baltimore. Who's it's, Mike Harbaugh? I don't know who Mike What's is. What's dad's name? Hang on a second. Oh, hey, is that that's somebody that, I went to school with? Hang on a that, second. That could be some major breaking news here on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If Mike Harbaugh is leaving Michigan to go to the, the National Football League, I didn't know Mike was at Michigan. <laughs> Where did I come up? Um, there's a Mike Harbaugh who's a tax credit relationship manager somewhere in Michigan. So he's got that going for him. Good for you, Mike. Congratulations. You made it onto the show. 
without even knowing it. You're truly a friend of the show. I have no idea why I said Mike Harbaugh. None. All right, let's let's go back to that. What do you think about the thought of him leaving Michigan to go to the NFL? Well, as a resident bonk, Buckeye honk, I'm totally rooting for it. Uh, number one. Number two, I think he's going to land in Denver. That's my prediction. Hmm. I'm calling my shot right now. I say is this, he a ploy to get, is, is this a ploy to get more money? That's my first question. Well, I don't think so. I, I think this is legit. And, and we know how the business works, right? People, sources close to Jim Harbaugh leak stuff out. It's all calculated. And yes, there are instances where you leak that stuff out because you want your contract redone. You want uh, a pay raise. You want more bonuses. You want to increase the salaries of your staff or the size of your staff. You want more security. You want to lessen the buyout liability, things like that, right? I think this is legit. I mean, let's be honest about it, right? College football is starting to go off the rails when you talk about all the NIL stuff. The Big Ten's about to expand, so it's no longer going to be the Ohio State slash Michigan Invitational like it is just about every year. Well, the, to be fair, we'll sprinkle in some Wisconsin and Penn State every now and again. Um, but th that's basically what it is with the expansion out west. I don't think it's going to stop with USC and UCLA. I I wouldn't be shocked if Oregon and Washington or more of those Pac-12 schools uh, come into the, the fold and then like the Big Ten needs to find a new name because <laughs> you can't keep calling them the Big the Big Ten. Big Ten times two, half 20 teams, Big Ten times two or something like they that. They will not the change the name of it. I don't think they'll change the I name know, of it. I know, and it's the dumbest crap in the world. Um, I know, but it's just As something. long as they don't go back to leaders and legends, it made no sense oh, to anybody. Yeah. But I, I do think that I, Harbaugh, um, he's had success in the NFL with San Francisco, took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Of course, they lost that one to the Ravens. Um, and I think that Denver might be the perfect landing spot there. Um, the Raiders aren't changing their coach out. They're going to change out their quarterback instead. Um, and, you know, Russell Wilson was a complete disaster uh, in uh, Denver for the Broncos this year. and since he's the guy they've committed to and they're going to basically build the franchise around, he's going to go somewhere where there is a legitimate established with a pattern of success quarterback in place. He's not going to go to uh, a, a team like the Texans who are, you know, rebuilding and have a bunch of assets that they're trying to put. No, he's going to go somewhere where he could potentially win now. So I think Denver will be the perfect spot for him. I know so, the Colts, I don't see him going to the Colts, although that could be a possibility because of family history and stuff like that. Right. But I, I just, there's, they don't have the quarterback in Indianapolis and I don't know how the hell they're going to get a quarterback in Indianapolis. So, all right. So let me reach back in my pocket here to 2014. Mike Pettin was hired, but let's not forget the story that happened before Mike Pettin was yeah, hired. The Browns before. almost traded for Jim Harbaugh, which by the way, hundred percent true story. Yeah. Even though San Francisco denied it at the time, it was 100% um, true. It, you know, it, it was a – they would have sent – compensation. Yeah, it would have been draft picks, and in, the deal was in place. Uh, Mike Florio had said at the time that the deal was in place, 100%. So, any chance Jimmy Haslam walks back down that road? No, I don't think he will. I think he's – I think – here's here's why. If Jim Harbaugh because came here, he'd want total autonomy, right? You, you you just 
stole my thunder. Yeah, here's why. Because if Jim Harbaugh came here, pretty much everyone in that building on the football side gets fired. He would bring in his own people from top to bottom. And you know what? There's not a single person in that building that's going to recommend to Jimmy Haslam that he replace Kevin Stefanski right now because mm-hmm. they don't want to lose their jobs. So um, I don't think that there's any chance. Do I think that that's something they should consider? A thousand percent, yes. They're not going to. Stefanski's back next year, and we'll see who on the coaching staff returns because I do think they need to tweak the coaching staff at minimum. Um, but I absolutely would go after Jim Harbaugh. If I what if Kevin Jimmy. says, I don't want to fire Joe Woods? See, I'm here's the thing. hypotheticals at you. I know. See, here's the thing. Jimmy Haslam should have already made the phone calls. Okay. So uh, once they officially were eliminated la- last week against the Saints, he should have placed a call to Sean Payton's camp, and he should have placed a call to Jim Harbaugh's camp to gauge the interest. And then if the answer is no, we're not interested, then you stick with Stefanski. Because my argument is, Andy, unproven coordinator dude isn't it, it we already we already hit you know we've, we've been, been down, down that road. road. I agree with you. I agree. So you stay the so there's ways of doing this very confidentially. Now and I know that I in the world of the NFL and college sports is impossible to keep this type of stuff confidential, but you could do that privately, reach out, gauge interest. And then if you get the nose, then okay, all's well ends well. We just we just stay the course with what we have and we don't need to make a change just for the sake of making change. But I do believe Sean Payton's better than Kevin Stefanski. I believe Jim Harbaugh is better than Kevin Stefanski. But both of those people would blow that building up in Berea. And a lot of people that are there now would no longer be there. And some of those people are in the quote unquote circle of trust that do these type of interviews and they're in on the head coach and the GM interviews and stuff like that. And they have votes, uh, in their, you know, whatever the circle of trust committee or whatever. And you think any of those people are going to vote to lose their jobs? No, no. So that's why it's, but I mean, that's, you know, if Jimmy wanted to start paying for guys not to work for him again, that would be the alternative, right? Well, they've done that before. He's getting a check from Warren Buffett this year, so he can afford it. He also can afford his new stadium, too, once that check clears. Is that a hint? What oh, I'm saying? not saying. No, I'm, not, I'm just saying. He, he, he'll, he'll be able, he could pay cash for a new stadium once that check clears from Warren Buffett this year. Hmm. Bully, though. That's we're, we're talking about $10 billion. He's, you know. But I don't know what the family split is. I'm not saying that Jimmy's getting the full 10. I'm sure that right. there's... I don't know what their corporate makeup is and who gets what for, you know, whatever. But I'm saying, like, you know, size a lot of cash. cash. A lot, a lot what, of cash. I mean, what would you do with $10 billion? You know, it's like, yeah, I can't. I, I would, like I would, I, you know what I would do? I would build my own stadium <laughs> and I would go buy an island and disappear. <laughs> I would just buy the island, disappear, and watch the games on TV and let the other stuff just be somebody else's headache. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's I, always game day. You what? You'd still do the show. You know what I do with 10 billion? Huh? I'd still co-host this podcast with you. Daryl, I would too. It would be my one thing I would do. I would stay with this podcast. We might get fired, but I would still do it. Cell phone reception might be uh, (laughs) minimal on my island, but. (laughs) 
We'd have a nice studio, though, I will tell you that. Oh, He's Daryl yeah. Ryder. He'd be amazing. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. Uh, if you want to partake in the show, especially with a mailbag uh, episode coming up shortly, all you need to do is hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at game day CLE. Um, a little bit more college pro rumbling. We'll talk about that. And um, we got to get back into the Steelers game. I mean, we got one more game to go. Get hyped. Get hyped. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. I want to bring up one other uh, college thing before we start talking about the Browns and Steelers again. Um, there was talk, and I think I just think it's interesting that <coughs> that Ryan Day had said um, that there's a story out uh, on the second that Ryan Day said he might give up play calling duties to make the Buckeyes better. And Tim May just corroborated the story. He got a text from Ryan Day who confirmed, in fact, that that story is true. Isn't it they weird can... how honest Ryan Day is? Yes. Don't I, you I appreciate that? that? I, abs- uh, I absolutely appreciate that. Being in my position, yes, I yeah, appreciate I mean, that. But I think the fans know it, too. And I know that, you know, when they lost to Michigan, <clears throat> you could just see – I don't know. I listen to him in every post game. I mean – and, you know, I listen to stuff throughout the week, too. I just think he's genuine. And when he can't tell you something, he's not going to tell you something. And it's it's not the end of the world. He's not trying to distract you from what you're trying to do. But he, right. he's trying to let fans know exactly what's going on. Yeah. He, uh, this is from Tim May, uh, at Tim underscore May Sports on Twitter. Uh, Ryan Day texted me. He's taking, quote, Hard look, end quote, at handing play-calling duties to another in 23 so he can be more classic head coach, especially in season, much as he told Kirk Herbstreit pre-Peach Bowl. And, you know, then he adds his little two cents on that uh, after that. But, yeah, so that is true. And I think that that person that he will give the play-calling to is former Browns and Buckeyes wide receiver and current Ohio State wide receivers coach slash offensive coordinator, Brian Hartline. Because Bri- well, Brian Hartline, I think, is the best receivers coach in the country. You you look at some of the receivers that he has worked with and how good the receiving core has been since he's taken that unit over. He does a great job on the recruiting trail. And I think that, he goes into the succession line. You know what I'm saying? Like right. uh, Brian Hartline's going to be a college football coach if he wants. He's going to get to run his own program. And I also think that part of this isn't so much because until Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt and got blown up, and I still don't know how that wasn't a targeting call in that game, like that was a great game that, that Ryan Day was calling. Now, the final 30 seconds, he called the crap game. That was terrible. So... um, <laughs> Yeah, you have both scales there. Um, but I just I think that Brian Hartline is such an up-and-comer in college football. This is also a way to allow him to grow and progress as a coach. So two other things. He graduated from Glen Oak, the same as our own Dustin Fox, buddy of ours, four years apart, um, age-wise. And um, uh, the other part of it, and I don't, I, I'm just trying to vaguely remember if you just touched on it just now, but one of the reasons is much more than just his ability to create great wide receivers and work with these guys and make them, you know, great. He is an outstanding recruiter. Like I have never heard uh, stories about a guy. Uh, Jim Trestle's recruiting ability was pretty amazing too. Like 
there's stories that I've heard about Trestle who being inside of houses and um, I, did I ever tell you this story? Um, uh, I'm sure, probably, but go ahead. There, there's a recording story. I'm going to say it was, um, oh, was it? it was in the same backfield as uh, Brandon Joe. It was Maurice. Uh, Maurice Claret? No, it wasn't Maurice Claret. It was um, another kid from Columbus, and I, now I can't remember his name. I'll just suddenly I can't remember. Mo was his first name. And because they because when he and Brandon Joe were in the backfield together, I would just say, Oh, look, we got the Mojo offense. We got the Mojo offense. Okay. Um, and now it's gonna drive me nuts. And I, I want to say he went to Burkhaven or something like that in, in Columbus. But the story goes like this about Trestle is that he's in the house, and you know, this kid's probably pick any D1 school he wanted to. He's a really, really good running back. And they started uh, going back and forth, and they were talking about you know, faith in God and some of that stuff. And um, the the athlete's father started quoting the Bible. And the reason Trestle got him, and this is what I was told, um, was that he the father started quoting the Bible, and he started uh, a verse from the Bible, and it was it it, it might have been like an obscure verse from the Bible, and Trestle finished it. And it was at that point that the father knew that he was that his, he thought his son was in good hands. I mean, that's just that kind of recruiting. Um, that I mean, that worked for Trestle, but and I, I don't know what it's like when Heartline goes into these houses. But all I've heard from like people who are coaches and people that I know that you know when Heartline's around, that he he wins these kids over like nobody's business. And why wouldn't you? I mean, you walk in there and you start showing rings, and you're like, "This is why I'm here," and this is my love for Ohio. I'm from Ohio, and especially to, to land the Ohio kids too. But I mean, obviously he's landed some gigantic kids from outside of the state. So I, I, I think Hartline one day could probably end up back in the NFL too, if he wanted to, he was just, I, I, I don't know. Did you enjoy covering him? Cause I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, he, he wasn't here long, but in the short time here, uh, you, you just with him as a player, you could feel his intelligence and you, and I'll be honest with you. Like, the couple of conversations that we we had when he was a member of the Browns, like I honestly felt stupid talking to him because he's just that's you know that smart, um, and he has such an engaging personality too. Mm. Uh, so yeah, um, but yeah, that that Joe that, Jaravicious was kind of, kind of had that. Uh, Joe's a different yeah. guy, but yeah, I Joe had that same. And maybe it's because they're both Northeast Ohio guys right. and. And I can understand Charles Bentley St. Ignatius High School to coach offensive line. Would say that again. I missed it. LaCharles Bentley coming back to St. Ignatius, and he's going to be the offensive line coach. That's awesome. That's, that is just unbelievably awesome. Yeah. The the worst story ever, right? For LaCharles oh, yeah. getting hurt at practice. I like I still my stomach turns. I feel so bad for that guy. And then what happened to him in the hospital is even worse. Yeah. He got a staph infection, so yeah. that wasn't good. Happened, All right, so let's quickly preview the Browns. And he wasn't the only Browns got staph infections in that no, area. No, that I was mean, a bad got, run in there. I, I mean, they had to bring in, like, decontamination companies into the facility and stuff because, of, you know, they had problems with players post-surgery getting staph infections. Um, Daryl, let's just I, just quickly reiterate what Kevin had to say today Not about much. the Steelers and approaching this week. Well, I mean, that's pretty much every day, but – <laughs> did, did he give us anything? Let it not be. Did he give us anything? We got nothing and we'll like it. Not well, he he said a couple of things. Um, he started out by saying they know what's at stake. And then he kind of like walked that back later on during the Q&A session. 
And he's like, well, what I mean by that is, you know, they're in the playoff hunt. And he's like, it's not our focus. Knocking the Steelers out is not our focus. And then my response, at least what I wanted my response to be, was that's the only thing you should be thinking about this week is knocking the Steelers out of the playoffs. Like, that is your focus. That's the only thing you can accomplish this season is to kick the Steelers' ass out of the playoffs. That's it. That is the only thing you can hang your hat on this year. So it was. So he kind of like walked that back, and then he you know talked about how everyone's going to be watching this game because of the fact that the Steelers can make the playoffs and stuff like that. Um, so he he kind of he kind of sort of downplayed it, but he did you know um, the the Deshaun stuff and the fact that you know we got a glimpse of how explosive the the pass game can be. Okay, we 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 knew that. Um, Two things to watch this week, Jack Conklin, because he's banged up, ankle injury, Denzel Ward, shoulder injury. Going to have to watch those guys as the week goes on because their availability uh, this weekend is uh, to be determined. He's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin for our producer, Meredith Kane. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. We appreciate you being on board. We'll be back again Thursday morning as we get ready to wind down the season. It'll be our last regular season podcast of the year and then after that we switch back to two podcasts a week so uh we're glad you're on board we're glad you've been on board all season long and we really do appreciate you for meredith kane and daryl Ryder. i'm andy baskin it's always game day in Cleveland.